Starves Up Seattle! Welcome everyone! It is time to recap the 2020-2022 MOS season. I am Nam Mamoudis, joined with David Mamoudis. How are we doing today? Doing well. And I never thought that we were going to have a season like this. Didn't think we were going to have to do a podcast where we did not make the playoffs um, after a season where we did make the playoffs. But this season still had a lot of highs and we're going to recap uh, all of it, uh, give you our goals of the year and our players of the year for the Seattle Sounders. And then we're also going to explain how the show is going to look in the future as for the first time. The Scars... Scarves Up will be coming out on an actual schedule, coming out on the first Thursday of every month. That's when you can expect episodes to be out, and we'll recap everything that has happened in every month of the season, so you can know when to expect your episodes of Scarves Up from now on. David Moudis, it was a tough season. How... It's been a while since we've seen an actual Sounders game. Obviously, we just had the World Cup. The World Cup was amazing. Um, how are you feeling after after this season at this point in time? Yeah, I mean, I think just looking back, trying to figure out, you know, looking at the top goals of the season, trying to think about, you know, the picks we'll discuss later for top, top Sounders player, um, and reviewing, you know, the statistics about, you know, how many games each player played, you know, made me realize just how much we all had to deal with this season um, in terms of the number of injuries and the number of disruptions, some from the World Cup, some from other things, um, of the lineups. Um, you know, yeah, kind of a, a big mess of a season with, you know, both highs and lows. So I've said it many times on my other radio show, Football's Life, that two teams will be remembered in the long run from this season, from this MOS season, and that is the MOS Cup champions, who unfortunately ended up being LAFC, and uh, we have been seeing a lot of media, um, less than what I've expected, honestly, um, of MOS being very happy that LAFC won the MLS Cup, though uh, we're going to be hearing that that was the best MLS game ever for a while now. But the Sounders are still always going to be remembered uh, this year because the Sounders were the first team to win CONCACAF Champions League, and that was definitely the highest point uh, from this year. Um, And again, we're at Disney World. Our dreams came true um, when the Sounders won on May 4th. 2022. It does seem like a long time ago, and we'll see how long it takes for that to be replaced by, you know, the first MLS team to win the Club World Cup. Exactly, as we're, we're as we're going to focus on uh, next season, and we'll talk about the Club World Cup and the schedule has been released, and our thoughts on that. That will be on an episode that's coming out next Thursday, uh, on uh, January 4th, first Thursday of the month, as that is our new schedule um but let's talk about the the CONCACAF Champions League and like how 
we are feeling at the beginning of this season again because um, I, I want to just bring up again. I said so many times that uh, in the CONCACAF Champions League, I wanted MLS teams to lose because I wanted the Sounders to be the first MLS team to win the CONCACAF Champions League. And every time I said that, I I, I did mean that because I, I really wanted the Sounders to to be the team to do it. But I also didn't really believe that that was going to happen. Like, honest, like I think uh, more of me thought that it was that uh, that would be cool if that happened, but I did not think that was going to happen. So, like, were you surprised when that happened? Um, I think I felt we had a chance to win. You know, I think I take a different attitude towards you on... You know, the other MLS teams, you know, I think I'm I'm more likely to root for the MLS teams and I wouldn't have been as disappointed as you to see somebody else win. Um, but, yeah, you know, I mean, I think at the beginning of the year it felt like the team was in really good shape. We had a, you know, great, strong, experienced core and I would have said we could take anyone on. Um, and... You know, so it was amazing to win that final, but was I that surprised? I don't think so. I'm thinking just in general uh, on on the entire um, year, and uh, and while just this was an incredible year uh, for for soccer in general, and and U.S. soccer. I mean, just the entire the the, the run and the fact that. Uh, in the semifinal of the CONCACAF Champions League, we had NYCFC versus the Sounders. Um, U.S. soccer just made so many steps forward this year. Um, and, and still, we didn't qualify for the World Cup uh, until March of 2022. That's when we qualified um, for it. And that's when we had the draw for this World Cup. Which is it's really weird to think that that was at the beginning of this year and then the World Cup uh, was and honestly, right. that's Obviously, how the drawing uh, normally happens. But still, at the beginning of twenty twenty two, um, we were we were still like worried that the U S. might not even make it to the World Cup. And the U S. did kind of scrape by. So, um, you know, and also obviously in the World Cup had a bumpier road to the group stage than we would have liked to see. But still, um, we think about um and. I think on Football Americas, um, the ESPN show that looks at Mexico and U.S., they've done a really good highlighting how the U.S. and Mexico are going in very different directions right now, and the U.S. just was uh, succeeding on, like, every level that Mexico was not. Um, And I think, like, uh, I, I don't see that trajectory changing anytime soon i think u.s soccer is very much improving i'm very excited to see where we'll be in 2026 when we get to the world cup then and uh i I do think that uh that uh, like mos is uh, just again we can think about how much mos is is growing um Right. I mean, obviously, it'll be an interesting cycle leading up to 2026 with no need to qualify for not only the U.S., 
but for Mexico and Canada, it'll be interesting to see how CONCACAF manages that. And I don't don't actually know. Do you know how many slots CONCACAF will get overall in the expanded World Cup field? If we have six now, and since we're adding six, no, we so six if, now. We if, yeah, if we have three, yeah, I was thinking of the how many teams are in so the four and a half or um, five. I guess is what yeah, I'd expect, and I don't know if we'll have extra because of the hosting duties. But so anyway, I mean, I think the challenge for the U.S. will be, you know, trying to manage the hype going into hosting a home World Cup, but also trying to select the team. But we're getting far afield from the Sounders. I guess what where you went to with the World Cup qualifying process there was just to remember how long ago that CONCACAF championship was and how it was overlapping with um, World Cup qualifying games at the beginning of the season that were taking, you know, one, one complexity this year obviously was not only... Uh, Christian and Jordan, but, you know, other players being called off to their various uh, World Cup international teams. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Uh, I think, um, yeah, the number of games that happened in this year um, is an insane amount. Um, But I just want to go back to that... um, just U.S. Uh, I, I would really say that I think MOS is at least even with um, the MX uh, as I, I think it, it's the closest to. Um, and I, actually, I'm going to say it. I think MOS is the top league in North America right now. I think they have overtaken the MX right now um, with the amount of talent that's in the league and with. Uh, the money that's being put in MOS, I think, uh, and well, the I development one... we're seeing, like U.S. is the U.S. soccer, um, is 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 at a place where we never, where a lot of people thought it would never be at. It's just grown so so fast. You know, obviously, we'll talk about this as part of the twenty twenty three season. You know, next time, but League's Cup will be a very clear opportunity to see if you're right about that. You know, to watch those two leagues go go head to head. Yeah. Um, and just in again about just the quality of games we saw this year. Um, it was a good year for a fan. Like I don't think that the MLS Cup final this year was the best MLS the MLS game ever. But um, that was a great game as a fan to watch. The World Cup, pretty much every game except for a, a few zero zero ties in the World Cup were very entertaining. Um, the World Cup final, some people, I think, um, might be one of the greatest sports games ever. Um, we also had, um, we also had U.S.-Mexico, um, uh, in, I guess that wasn't this summer, but, uh, um, but also a lot of, a lot of big games. Um, in the summer and so just like as a soccer fan so many good games this year and it was so nice to have after um, the weird seasons in 2020 and 2021 where people are still figuring out how to go back to sports so um, it was great to see so many good games this year Um, so specifically for the Sounders um, 
Sounders at the beginning of the season were were alternating between CONCACAF Champions League and the MLS season. We get a slow start. Um, what are your th- what are your thoughts on let, let's talk about the just like the regular season in general. Like, I think what was hardest what's the hardest part about looking at this season is like the Sounders didn't look like they were didn't really play bad. There many there weren't many times where we were saying we played badly or like we made uh, a mistake. What, well, what the reason we, we were the we reason lost a bunch of close games. I mean, but if you look at who we had on the field, you know, how many games were there when you thought we actually had our best 11 players on the field? You know, if you think about nobody nobody started more than 30 games this season. You know, there's no player who was available for every game. Um, I was just Kenan Rowe, um, even Kenan Rowe. Kenan Rowe wasn't he? Didn't he play in every? Kenan um, Rowe he, played in twenty eight games. He started fourteen. He um, got he got the red card, which uh, in one game, which then stopped him from playing a game that he was available. But he had a very long strike. You know, but uh, again, stretch. the fact that that Kellen Rowe is in that conversation. You know, on day one of the season, Kellen Rowe is not in your starting eleven. You know, Kellen Rowe true. was was one of the you know. One of the the first people to come in, you know, would always have been there on the field partially, but he would not have started this many games if we were healthy. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so the, the Sounders the, used the a total injuries, of twenty four yeah. different, you know, starters over the year, which so is a lot. The, the injuries is is true, and we'll we'll get to the injuries um, and the players who came in, to specific players in a second. Um, but the like uh, in general, like what. What really kept us from succeeding this year um, is not being able to score goals. When when Raúl was out injured, or other players were off on international duty, um, uh, then we couldn't score goals. And the reason I'm saying it like that is because it wasn't because watching the Sounders games wasn't it wasn't as hard as watch as. If we were, say, like a DC United fan or a San Jose, where when you're watching your team get battered um, and lose 6-0, um, that is a lot harder to watch. Um, or just their their general play was so much worse than how the Sounders were playing. Sounders couldn't score goals, and in the end, the only thing that matters about how you're playing is how many goals you score. If you're winning games, then it doesn't matter how you play. But... Uh, with that being said, um, yeah, Sounders could not score goals, and because of that, we were dropping, we dropped points, um, and because we couldn't score, then other teams would get their one chance and would put it in. So I'm not trying to make an excuse, and um, here, but uh, because we didn't play the worst soccer in the league, yes, we missed the playoffs, but we still played a hell of a lot better. Than so many other teams that also didn't make the make the playoffs. Right, but it's also interesting. We ended up with a positive goal differential, but still managed to lose five more games than we won. So you know, how did we do that? And I think a lot of it was losing close games. You know, and not not battling back for ties, not battling back for wins in the way that you associate with the Sounders. Okay, so let's talk about the players who um, were the the best players from this season, and then we'll and then. Both of us will say who our um, player of the year for the Sounders was. 
and then we'll also talk about players who we thought didn't deliver. Um, so for best players, uh, so, for, so, for, so deciding my best player, um, I was really thinking it was between three people. Um, first is Stefan Fry. Uh, you go back to the CONCACAF Champions League final, um, which we won 3-0. Um, game could have been very different if Stefan Fry doesn't make a bunch of huge saves. Uh, he wins uh, keeper of the tournament for the CONCACAF Champions League. Um, he was MVP on the day, and that is well-deserved. Um, I go back to the game against Orlando this year, um, which we ended up losing. But um, in the first half of that game, uh, Orlando was given a penalty. Or that might have been the second half. I can't I can't remember so long ago you know, at this point. But that was a game where the Sounders really needed to win to really have a fighting chance to still make the playoffs. And he makes a big save in that to keep the game level at that stage in the game. Um, Stephen Fry came up really big this year, and wow, we we lost about a, a bunch of games, and that means he had to have been scored on. He he played really really well. He's an old guy, and um, we love him. So I think it's hard, so I think we have to put him in the conversation. Um, the other players who I think had really good seasons this year um, were. Uh, are in the conversation for best player of the year for the Sounders are Raul Diaz and Jackson Reagan and uh, Yamar Gomez Andrade. Uh, because in general, our defense was... So I'll, I'll start with the defenders, the defenders, I said, and then I'll go back to Raul Rodriguez. Um Yamar and, and Reagan, um, I thought were our best defenders this year. Um, and they they really looked very, very good. Um, and in most games, when we were struggling to score goals, um, our defense really looked locked in, and teams were struggling to break us down. Um, and it would take... And if the other team scored, it was like one mistake. Usually it wasn't from them. It was maybe from a midfield player failing to get back, or Alex Rodon or who failing to get back since sometimes we see those players walking as much as we love them um so because of that uh, i think you i threw them into the conversation um and then raya diaz um sounders really struggled to score goals he was scoring the goals when he was injured uh he was injured for a lot of games we really really missed him um, and the entire time he's been a sounder, he has done what he is paid to do. He's scored goals. He has, he still has one of the best smiles on the team. I love this man, and he has to be in that conversation. Um, what do you think about about those players I listed? Um, and did you pick similar players? I don't disagree with you. I think you know two more players that I think. I have to mention would be uh, Christian Roldan and um, uh, Albert Rusnak, you know, who I think it's harder to measure their output statistically, but I think they did a huge amount to keep the Sounders in a lot of games, to provide the energy on a lot of games. Um, 
Christian Rodon was also, this was the first season we saw Christian Rodon really be injured in his entire time with the with the team. We talked about that a lot during the season, that he's been so reliable for the team and pretty much since he became a starter midway through 2016. And again, that was only, he, he came into the league in 2015 and midway through 2016, pretty much when Schmetzer took over, he became a, a, um, 100% he's starting if he's available. Right, so Christian, between the injuries and uh, international duty, you know, was not available as much as we're used to seeing him. Um, do you know who the minutes leader was on the team this year? Um, I do not. I'm going to guess it... Is it, I'm, is it Rowe? Uh, it was actually Alex Roldan, who also was our, you know... That makes sense. Third, yeah, he was, he was uh, close to... Had the third most minutes at keeper also. Um, was that that was twenty twenty that was twenty twenty one that he played in? Oh, goal. was that last that year? That was last okay. year. Oh well, we just keep, they just keep showing that every we we're gonna be reminded of that every time uh, that that date comes up. You know, and then let me just say one more player who I was thinking about in terms of figuring out who the most important player for the Sounders was this year is Jao Paulo because I was looking at him when looking at some of the candidates for goal of the year and he had. An amazing strike from the top of the box and in the Minnesota game. That was a great right, great and goal. you and you remember, you know how important he was to our Concacaf run. Gets injured in the final. Of Gets course. injured in the final, of course. But the question of how different would the rest of the Sounders' regular season been if he doesn't go down with that knee injury? And you know, obviously, it's hard to you know to give him an award based on what he accomplished in 2022, but. Um, I think clearly, you know, just, you know, one thing the rest of 2022 shows is how important he was on both sides of the ball for the Sounders. I think we also have to give a shout out to Montero. Um, I said many times that he is not a forward. I stand by that. He's not at this point. He's better playing more of a midfield role. But uh, he was very, very good for the Sounders. He scored a lot of big goals. I think he came in second in the Golden Boot Race in CONCACAF Champions League this year, only behind Juan Dineno, the guy from uh, Pumas. Um, and in that game, when Raul Rodriguez was out for some of the games, he, was, he got the start. Um, he took penalties um, in, uh, in big, big moments. To help us get there. Right, and I think if we were trying to choose the Sounders players who most exceeded expectations for the year, I, I think that's where, there. you know, Jackson Reagan certainly and and Montero, as, you know, compared to Christian Roldan, who yeah. was awesome, but we expected him to be awesome, and we expected him to be awesome at least 35 out of 34 games, and he only was able to do it 26 games. That's exactly what I was going to say about Jackson Reagan. Um he exceeded expectations. He's now one of my favorite players on the team, and I'm so excited to see what he can do in the future because he just was all. He just always was in the right place, and he never seemed like he was getting frustrated. Like he, if he was frustrated, he hid his frustration, and just like he wouldn't try to do too much. Like he. He stuck to the basic things, which is something that um, I feel Ariaga doesn't always do. And um, yes, Reagan got a red card, 
but this year um, against Portland, and that was a tough game. Um, if we're talking about just again, I'm just gonna I have to throw this out. Blown call of the year has to go to Ismail Alfat, the World Cup referee, for giving the penalty. But um, Reagan, Reagan, outstanding year. And uh, one more player who I'll mention in the exceeding expectations uh, category would be Obed Vargas, who you know Again, if he'd managed right if he'd managed to stay to stay healthy the rest of the year, I can imagine that the story might have been how well he managed to fill the hole left by JP. You Obed know. Vargas is definitely a player for the future. I mean, he is so highly rated by so many people who cover the game. Um, it I am very much looking forward to having him back. I remember in November when I started remembering that um, and thinking about like what our team is going to look like next year, and we'll talk more about this in the future, but the fact that we'll have Obed Vargas and Joe Paolo back, um, and, I, and I just started thinking about, oh, Joe Paolo is just so fun to watch. Um, and a lot of people were tough on Ladero this year, um, and I think part of why Ladero is not one of the players who we're talking about right now as being like a player who really stepped up is because um, Ladero, like when Paolo and Roy Diaz and people aren't on the field, then uh, it's easier for, then there's, it's harder for Ladero to do much because teams are going to really shut them down. When you have Paolo on the field, just like Ladero, it's a player that you have to, like, um, if, if a team is, really focusing on shutting down Paolo, then they're going to leave Ladero wide open for some chances and then vice versa. So I think that was also tough on Ladero. Like Ladero, who is one of our playmakers, when he's the only playmaker, um, that was another reason the team struggled. Um, but I don't really, I really don't want to just say that... Um, our team didn't succeed this year because of injuries, because um, that just seems like a cop-out. Um, players who we expected more from this year, um, you said Albert Rusnak. Um, you said Albert Rusnak um, was a good player. Um, I th- I was expecting more. He was our, he was our new DP, a DP uh, free agent signing. Um, and... Um, I did think he was underwhelming. It took him a little while to adjust. I like I like this player, and I think more. And I think most of that is because he was playing. We played him not in his actual position, and at the end of the season, when he started to play more forward, um, in like a more winger, um, attacking position, he looked much better. Because he's, and I think this just shows he's just not a defensive midfielder. And going forward, I think he, if we can keep him in a winger position, um, he will do more for the team. So I want. I, so I think he was a little bit of a letdown this year, but I don't think that's all his fault. I think he was played in the he he was played in the wrong position, and that's just because of so many injuries. We had to push him back. Right, and not only was his position changing, but the cast of characters around him were changing. So he never really had the, the chance to, build, build a rapport and get familiar with any particular rest of midfield. Uh, any other players that you think, 
you wish could step it up? I mean, we've talked about Leo Chu a fair amount. I wish that we would trade him. He is still under contract for this next year. Um, but what do you think? Yeah, I mean, you know, who haven't we talked about yet? You know, Nuhu is an interesting example because clearly world-class in some ways. Um, but, you know, I guess he did did get the goal finally, but, you know, doesn't... He gets the goal and on it, and it was kind of, kind of lame. Like, I wanted it, we wanted it to be a bicycle kick, and it ends up being a one where he has so much times and he just puts it into, just has to miss the keeper. Right. But, but, you know, we're ha- it, but still, it, right. that, it, that felt like, it felt like when he scored, the entire season could have changed. Like, it felt like, okay, we're going to make the playoffs now, and that happens. You know, but, but so the question of, I mean, first of all, obviously, we'll see where he ends up next year. Does he, does he get more interest after the World Cup? It's true. Um, he might not. He might not be here even next week. But, um, but yeah, you know, always sort of seemed like he had the potential to do to do more on offense than he was doing, and really, I'd put Jordan Morris into that category too. You know, obviously, he's still recovering from injuries in some sense, but you know, didn't this year seem to have that many chances to be? the dominating player he has been in the past. And you don't know how much of that is because we didn't have JP out there to feed to him. Mm -hmm. Um, But it also just seemed like he wasn't the dominant runner that we'd want him to be. He did score a fair amount of nice goals this year. Like you, if you go back and watch the highlights of the games in the champions league, um, he scores a very, very beautiful goal against NYCFC in the game that was in Seattle um, I think that was his best goal from this year. Um, but he he wasn't in the top conversation. And I think as, as like top players in MOS as he was in uh, 2020, where he was nominated for uh, player of the year. And I think um, uh, that the fact that he received so much criticism and so many players were hard on him for making the World Cup team... Um, I think that is that was unjust with the criticism he has. I think that's because he's just show I think a lot of it is because he's shown that he's shown his potential. Like 2020 and his first year 26 in 2016 and uh 2019 um when he came back from his injury um he was lighting up the league. Um, and he, he, he's been so good. Um, and then he just had, yeah, just had a down year this year. Um, I, I, I do think people need to give him a break, um, because, uh, and, um, not, not criticize him for making the, uh, World Cup team because he did not make any mistakes in the World Cup. Um, you can criticize, if you're going to criticize him for making, for, for him, for being on the team, you just got you got to criticize Burhalter because Burhalter should have picked. You can say Burf, okay, Burhalter should have taken Pfock. Let's not get into our World Cup show, or this will be four hours long. He should have he should have taken Pfock, but you shan't. You should not. We'll blame do separate Morris. episodes on the uh, World Cup review from the players' point of view and from the referee uh, point of view. If you want to listen to World Cup coverage, listen to Football's Life wherever you listen to podcasts. Um, and we go into much more detail about the entire World Cup. Um, that's that's where that was covered. Um, 
moving back uh, to to about again to the Sounders, um, I, again to to New Who. Um, I thought New Who was good, but the reason I think, but I don't think he was a top defender because there the times when the Sounders um, were conceding goals, it was mostly because our wingbacks, um, our fullbacks were not getting back. And I love New Who, and he has lots of speed, but sometimes he fails to get back. That happens sometimes with Alex Rodon as well, and they're both competitors, and I know that they're going to, that when we get scored on, it it really affects them. But because of that, I do think Reagan and uh, Yamar were a step ahead of them in, in defenders this year. So who is your player of the year? After all, after all this, who are you giving it to? As you think, I'm going to give it to Fry. Um, he was the captain for a lot of games. He kept us in a lot of games. Um, I he was available for more games than most people. The only times he really didn't play was if we had like three games in a week. So I give it to Fry. What about you? Yeah, I think that's where I was landing also. I mean, Fry was injured for part of the season also, remember. But Cleveland came in and he played very well. Yeah. Right, so the question of, you know, do, do you do it for total impact on the team or impact per game that they played where you could almost, you know, have Zhao Paulo as, um, uh, as the most impactful for those six games of the regular season he did play. I was looking at one statistic that was... Uh, Expected goals and assists created per 90 minutes. And do you want to guess who the number one sounder for 2022 was by that statistic? Goals per minute. Expected goals uh, and expected assists per, per 90 um, minutes. Um, uh, I don't know. Um, maybe Ladero. It was actually Reed Baker Whiting who, Reed, you know, played Reed. about 70 or 80 minutes and, you know, had an expected goal in that time, and I don't remember whether he actually I don't think scored he actually a goal. Scored a goal, right? But he got into a good position. So anyway, I mean, we go back to that game against Austin. He played very well in the game against Austin yeah. this year. So I think the point is, it's it's hard. You know, the Sounders had such a mix of players, so many ups and downs that it's hard to say. But I I agree with you that uh, Fry is a great choice. Um, Speaking of Reed Baker Whiting. Um, uh, he was a player who I thought might have gotten loaned out. Um, or no, he he did get loaned out um, for a part of this year. We also had a Ditteron. He got loaned out, and he met, scored a goal in the USL Championship final. We know that now he has been sent to the St. Louis. Um, I was very sad when that happened because he was one of our forwards for the future. Um, so it's sad that he will be gone. Um, looking, f- um, so yeah, I'm sad that he moved on. Um, I think another player that we should bring up is Danny Leva. Um, Danny Leva was injured for a lot of 2021. He came back and sort of kept, um, it, it was either he would start and then he would get replaced by Atencio or Atencio would start and Atencio would get replaced by him. What did you think of Atencio and Neva this season? Um, they were also impressive. I think Atencio, you know, was called on a lot to, uh, to come in in that defensive midfield role. 
Um, and, you know, that that does seem like potentially the, the pairing of the future eventually for the Sounders. Um, Other young players um, that are still technically on our line, on our roster, um, are uh, Ethan Dobelair and uh, Dylan Tevez. Uh, Dylan Tevez, in his first start uh, with the team, he scored um, a goal against Toronto in Toronto. Um, thoughts on Dylan Tevez, um, the uh, homegrown player who came from the University of Washington. Yeah, you know, also, obviously, you know, he's not ready to come in and be a replacement for Raul yet. Um, but you can see he has the potential to be a great player. Mm -hmm. um, it'll be interesting to see how he progresses. Oh, another player uh, is uh, is A.B. Sizoko. Um, I thought A.B. Sizoko had a had a very good season when he came in. He's one of my he's a, another player who I really like. Um, I think he there were a couple of times I thought he could have scored a goal. Um, looked very good on set pieces. Um, yeah, I'm 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 excited that he's back. Um, uh, other players, so some of the players who have been released, uh, who or the Sounders have chosen not to bring back. Um, our um, uh, AOC, um, our AOC, um, Alfonso Ocampo Chavez. Um, what are your thoughts on him not being brought back? Um, he's been with the team for a long time. He was he he was on the team that won the uh, Generation Adidas tournament um, with Danny Leva. Danny Leva was MVP that tournament, and uh, AOC was the Golden Boot winner. Um, AOC has never scored a goal with the first team. He's played mostly his minutes with the Defiance, and he also didn't. Um, he was never at like the top of the Golden Boot race there. Um, any thoughts on him? Um, as the Sanders have moved on from him. Yeah, I mean, you know, obviously with anyone in that situation, you, you wish him the best and we hope that he'll, he'll, you know, show up playing against the Sounders either in MLS or in the Club World Cup someday. Um, I don't know the specifics of, you know, where he's, where he's likely to play next. Uh, the other player who was not brought back, um, were, there, uh, were there two who the Sounders chose not to extend their options, um, were... Uh, Bruin, uh, Madron, and Madronda. Um, we now know that Montero has been brought back. Um, and uh, originally, I thought that Kenan Rowe was in that boat, but no, Kenan Rowe is on our is still on our roster, which makes sense. Um, uh, he still had an active contract, um, so he's still on the team. Um, but thoughts on um, obviously Madronda is going to Columbus now, and. Um, so, uh, Columbus will get to witness some, some bangers since Madronda scored a lot of goals and, and, um, really restarted his career with us. Um, but what are your thoughts on Bruin? Um, do you, and do you think he will come back? I could easily imagine him coming back to the Sounders. You know, it's, a I don't really know the state of the negotiations there. Um, we, and we I don't know where, yeah. you know, where his long-term, you know, desire to live is would he go back to texas or i think he i think he loves he loves seattle like he has 
his I think he, he I mean he has two small kids here that are probably going to start school soon um I think he really likes being here. I don't think he's going anywhere. So I can see. So obviously, you could I, imagine him staying on either as a coach or as a brand ambassador in the Ronnie yeah, Levesque mold. Yeah, I think he would. I I think he could either if he if he's going to retire, um, I think he could end up doing broadcasting stuff for the Sounder, and that's different with this new Apple deal. Um, but um, I think he'll get brought back. That being said, I think um. The Sounders should look to bring in another forward, um, because, uh, and also to me, like, if we're bringing Montero back, then you should bring back Bruin, because I thought Bruin, while Montero scored, um, a lot more goals, like, Bruin wasn't given as many chances as Montero was. There were many times was I, um, this season when I was saying, bring in Bruin, we need a bigger target up front. Matero is not a big target. And when we're looking for a goal late, we need targets up front. And I don't want that to be Suzoko going and playing forward when we're, when he's already been playing for 90 minutes. I want fresh legs and I want Bruin on the field. So that being said, um, I would be sad if Bruin doesn't come back. I've talked about my love of him many, many times on this show. So speaking of your other favorites, how about Ramon Torres off the bench as a late late game forward? Uh I I've I love Torres. Um I don't want him to come back to the team. Um he's sort of a toxic player now. Um Okay, enough about like, that then. But yeah, so I, I you know, I think the Sounders haven't traditionally played with a big target forward since Eddie Johnson, maybe. Um I I, I know what yeah. you're talking about, and I have liked, you know, Bruin's Bruin style and work ethic and his just ability to bang around and uh, I think get to a lot to, of balls. I, I, think some, I think in the future, um, some of the times that I thought we looked the strongest this year is when we play two forwards. Um, I think going into this next season, and we'll talk more about this next time, a new formation for the Sounders um, seems like the right move. And maybe that me and to me, I think that might be going to the most traditional formation in a four four two. Um, we can talk about how that setup would actually look with our team if it's like a diamond midfield, and or if one forward is more forward than the other. But it does feel like and like um, to get players. The players we have now in their best positions, it is not in the current formation that uh, Smetcher plays. And maybe that maybe um, we also go back to a five at the back. Maybe we go back because we were switching um, between that. But I, I do think a formation change is necessary for this next season. So I think it's unlikely that Schmetzer will go with something as simple as a four four two, but um, I think the biggest you know thing that I'm sure he'd like to see is just consistently available personnel so he can you know decide what's his favorite formation or what's the best formation for a given opponent without having to be thinking about you know how to work without five of his top eleven not being available. Okay, so let's move in move on to uh, our goals of the year uh david what uh, uh was your goal of the year for the 2022 mls season 
Um, I think the one I the one I ended up with was uh, Raul Ruiz Diaz's uh, goal, where he you know took a shot, collected the the deflection, and then kind of you know dribbled in a circle around the edge of the penalty area, and then just put against it past Charlotte. The again against Charlotte. Yeah, I think so. Um, you where know, he, he dribbles like he he takes the shot with his back from goal. Right, and I, I, you know, I would have in some ways liked to be able to choose more Beautiful. of a more of a team goal, but that was just such an impressive, you know, individual effort, and just showed his ability to be dangerous from anywhere. So I almost picked a picked the his goal in the Concacaf Champions League final, um, because I was like, okay, that's the biggest game um, from this season, um, but I didn't. I picked. Um, I picked uh, Christian Rodon's goal versus Minnesota, which is one where he's um, dribbling. He he's probably about twenty five yards um, um, from goal, and he's dribbling one direction, and then he takes the shot, and the shot goes. Um, across his body into the top corner. There's just no chance that Dane St. Clair is going to save it. Dane St. Clair, one of the best keepers in OS, was an all-star this year. Um, and that was a huge goal for the Sounders at during a moment where Sounders um, needed to start picking up points um, as County F Champions League um, was all over. Um and um, Sounders had games in hand, and we needed to start climbing the table. That was a huge goal. Um, so much skill. Um, Christian Rodon um, did so much for this team, does so much for this team. And when he was out, um, again, very evident. Um, and I think that makes a lot of sense to take that context into account when you mention the the. The goal in the final, I wasn't even looking at the non-regular season goals, but that yeah. makes a lot of sense to think about those too. Yeah. Um, so while I could have given it to Raul Diaz, um, or uh, I almost gave it to Madronda for his goal, for his free kick goal um, in the uh, U.S. Open Cup, uh, but I, I went with the Rodon one because um, if Rodon was available for every game in this season... Um, it could uh we could have had a lot more control of the midfield um and everything could have been different um so i think we're coming to the end of our 2022 season recap any other thoughts that you want to uh bring up from this season um i want to say i i want to say one more thing about like uh the amount of games this season. Um, uh, I don't like when um, MOS uh, commentators uh, talk about uh, 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 bring that up um, because because the MOS season is less games um, than. Uh, it's it's le- it's less games than the Premier League, thirty four instead of thirty eight. Um, yes, there's farther travel, but um, 
while the Premier League is 38 games, there's still most of those other teams are playing um, more games because they have two comp- they have two cup competitions and then they also have uh, the champ and then the biggest clubs also have Champions League. So they're playing way more games than MOS and they play them on shorter rest. And some of these teams have bigger have these teams have more money than MOS teams and they have um, shorter distances to travel mostly more players and shorter distances. Um, but I it annoys me that pundits still talk about that as in its as an excuse uh um for for teams um and that is something that just hurts all of MOS um because um if we want to be ta- if MOS wants to be taken more seriously then we got to step up we got to just step we got to step up our training and make our season um the same length as uh, same length and more balanced. Um, we'll talk more about this. We'll talk about the schedule and how I don't like that there's um, barely any meetings between um, conferences and how, and we can also talk about um, how MOS could be arranged in the future um, in the next episode. But do you have any thoughts on, but do you want to say anything about like the amount of games that happened this year and like, because still, the Sounders were in U.S. Open Cup. There were still U.S. Open Cup games, plus there was U.S. Open Cup, CONCACAF Champions League, and MOS. Next year, there's going to be League's Cup. Right. I mean, obviously, you know, with this season, one of the big questions of it is, you know, how much energy did the Sounders expend in the in the CONCACAF run? And, you know, aside from the obvious thing of João Paulo... Um, how would the season have gone differently if they didn't have to do that? And, and what's the right amount of effort to put on each of those things? You know, with the Open Cup, the question of, you know, should the Sounders be trying as hard to win that trophy as they did, you know, back 10 years ago? Um, so anyway, I mean, I think the, the path forward is, um, you know, better funded, deeper clubs who have enough players to be able to do the squad rotation that you'll see in Europe where, you know, they'll put up a, you know, a very strong second team in some of those cup competitions. Uh, and the Sounders aren't quite at that place where they can do that as well as Tottenham can, obviously. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think the Leagues Cup will be an interesting test of, you know, how teams deal with that shift in the season and then how we continue to work with CONCACAF and the U.S. Open Cup and those other competitions. Okay, two other news things um, that I think we should bring up before the show ends. Um, Garth Lagerway is no more. He has moved on to Atlanta. He becomes the president of football uh, there. Right, taking Um, a role the Sounders really didn't have available of, you know, taking charge of of sort of he all did of every, Atlanta's operations. He did everything here that he was that that he was asked to. He and he he did so much for this team. Um you can't blame him for moving on and did and going to a new challenge. Um any thoughts on uh Craig Weibel getting the new uh being our new GM? Yeah, you know, he seems like a worthy successor um, to Garth, but um, 
we will see. You know, I mean, I guess it's an interesting question for this coming year. You know, we'll talk more next time about whether the Sounders, you know, need to make big moves. A lot of it will depend on how some of their veteran players come back. If everyone is healthy and, you know, does what we hoped they would have done in 2022, then maybe there's not a whole lot for the GM to do as far as bringing in new talent. But most likely, there will be some holes to fill. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. There is a chance we'll get a confirmation about uh, Ladero. Um, if he'll be back as the contract negotiations with him and Boca Juniors are are happening right now. We don't know if he'll be with the team next season. Um, uh, I do think, I said that I think the Sounders are looking at, uh, at or should be looking at forwards as we need people who are going to score goals. Um, with that being said, uh, final piece of news uh, that came out recently Huge congratulations to Brian Smetzer as he became he became the first MLS coach to be nominated uh, for Coach of the Year along with coaches like Jurgen Klopp and Pep Guardiola. Um, huge honor for him. He definitely deserves this award. Um, do you think uh, with the and and huge is a huge moment for the Sounders? Obviously. Winning CONCACAF Champions League um, is something that got us noticed um, by the entire by the entire soccer world, and the fact that we again will be in Morocco for the Club World Cup in February um, is something that has the whole world uh, watching us, um, and everyone knows we are an elite one of the elite teams in MOS. Um, that being said, um, any thoughts um, uh, you want to say? Uh, you have anything you want to say uh, to Brian Smetzer? Um, as we know, a longtime fan of uh, of Scarves Up, um, and uh, someone who we some some we've talked to multiple times. And uh, do you think uh, this if this award does anything to players? Um, it uh, who does anything to making other players wanting to come to the Sounders? You know, I mean, it's great for an MLS team to get to the Club World Cup. It's so it's great to see Brian on the list of people nominated for this award. And you know, maybe we'll see whether it happens in twenty twenty three. But the next step is to you know get to the final of those award of those competitions and win those awards and. You know, I'd like to see Brian be the first one to do both of those things on behalf of North America. That would do it for the 2022 MOS season. Uh, the 2022 Sounder season is in the books. I want to remind you, please follow uh, at ScarvesUpPod on Instagram. If you have any questions, um, send us an email at scarfsuppodcast at gmail.com. Um, please also check out my other radio show, Football is Life. You can find uh, that wherever you listen to podcasts. Just search Football is Life uh, and follow that on Twitter at WECB Football and uh, on Instagram at footballslife.wecb. 
uh, for all your soccer content. We will be back with another episode um, on uh, next Thursday, uh, as we will be uh, uh, for the on the first Thursday of every month. New episode of Scarves Up. Uh, until then, uh, while there's not too much soccer. Um, happening right now keep watching the premier league as it returns um but in general remember to keep your scarves up <laughs>